it's not just Russia that we have to worry about, right? These are vulnerabilities and attack vectors that any adversary uh, could pursue. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I've wondered. I got the feeling that something right. It ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, in Oregon on KYAQ on the Central Coast, and Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR. New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI. Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream on the interwebs every day on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, amongst other fine affiliates. Thank you very much for joining us today once again for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me here at Democracy's Headquarters that we call the Bradcast. Uh, glad you could join us, and uh, glad uh, you, Desi Doyen, can join us as well. Yes, I am present. Uh, thank you for being <laughs> present. Uh, and you will also have, if uh, things go well, if we can fit it all in, a Green News report for us a little bit uh, later today. If we can today. fit it in, I hope so. Although it's it's kind of a sad one. But well, in any event, uh, that, stay tuned for that. See, there, how's that for a teaser? Stay tuned for this really sad Green News report. Uh, anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, America and the world as the Dow dove more than 700 points on Thursday after Donald Trump's announcement that he plans to target uh, target China in a trade war imposing tariffs on uh, as much as 60 billion dollars worth of Chinese imports that despite warnings from well pretty much everyone his own advisors Republicans in Congress right wing think tanks all advising him to tread lightly here, but uh, treading lightly is not Donald Trump's uh, style. So uh, we are told he is feeling more emboldened now to be himself, to make his own decisions. So, so far, this is going very well. The Dow has uh, plummeted 700 points. Those Republicans who are counting on a booming economy and uh, their tax cuts to save their skin this November, well... Donald Trump's not on the ballot, so maybe he doesn't uh, care all that much. He has uh, he has other ideas. So sorry about that, Republicans. And sorry to your voters who could see their IRAs uh, uh, wiped out by such a trade war. 
that uh, China was pushing back on today, were they not? You were telling me just before oh, yeah. airtime, Des. Yes, uh, uh, there were, uh, this was from a tweet from Andrew Restuccia over at Politico. Mm-hmm. He said, ominous words from China's ambassador to the U.S. Quote, we don't want a trade war, but we are not afraid of it. If people want to play tough, we will play tough, and we'll see who will last longer. Yay, this is fun already. Uh, so, yeah, unless uh, Trump changes course, well, who, who knows what's going on? But uh, we'll see what the voters think about all of this come November, I guess, if we ever get there. Uh, he could change course. He does that a lot. You know, he's changing course once again on his legal strategy today, as he's uh, also facing off against special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation Trump's lead lawyer for the special counsel investigation, John Dowd, resigned on Thursday as his strategy for cooperating with the inquiry grew increasingly at odds with Donald Trump's desire for a more aggressive posture. The New York Times reports Dowd, who took over the president's legal team last summer and considered leaving it several times, ultimately concluded that Trump was ignoring his advice, according to a person briefed on the matter. His uh, Dowd's departure marked the most significant shakeup for the president's legal team in months, underscores the president's growing frustration with the investigation into Russia's uh, alleged election interference and possible ties to Trump associates, as well as whether the president obstructed justice in the middle of the inquiry, which he obviously did. The president has in recent days begun publicly assailing Mr. Mueller, a shift in tone that appears to be born of Mr. Trump's concern that the investigation is bearing down on him more directly. The president was said to be pleased with Dowd's resignation as he had grown frustrated with him. Despite uh, claiming otherwise on Twitter, the president has expressed displeasure with his legal team now for weeks, says The Times. That is uh, not what Donald Trump said on Twitter, the, uh, where he wrote, quote, The failing New York Times purposely wrote a false story that I am unhappy with my legal team on the Russia case and am going to add another lawyer to help out. Wrong, said Trump. I am very happy with my lawyers, John Dowd, Ty Cobb, Jay Sekulow. That's what he wrote just last week, according to the failing New York Times. Uh, who reports uh, today on the fact that Dowd has quit and that Trump is adding another lawyer to help out. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. As AP reports, the departure of Dowd removes the primary negotiator and legal strategist who had been molding Trump's defense. It comes after just after Trump's legal team added a new lawyer, former U.S. attorney and Fox News star Joe uh, Joe DeGeneva. Uh, who has accused FBI officials of being involved in a, quote, brazen plot to exonerate Hillary Clinton in the email investigation and to, quote, frame Donald Trump for non-existent crimes. All of this, as uh, Trump pretends, he's very eager to be uh, interviewed by the special counsel, uh, which is all the reports uh, I've seen today. Oh, this is going to now we're Donald Trump is going to go straight into a meeting pretty much with Robert Mueller at this point. He can't wait. It was only Dodd who was stopping him. Uh, I'm not so sure that's true, unless, of course, Donald Trump is even dumber than I give him credit for. Uh, I, I suspect he's not eager at all, or at least he shouldn't be. 
but we will see. Meantime, the House of Representatives on Thursday easily approved a bipartisan $1.3 trillion spending bill that pours huge sums of money into the Pentagon for more defense, they call it, but I would call it military action around the world, and more money for domestic initiatives ranging from building roads, that's good, to combating the nation's opioid abuse crisis. But the measure leaves Congress still in a stalemate over uh, shielding younger dreamer immigrants from deportation and leaves a stalemate for curbing the surging health insurance premiums. Both of those problems, thanks to Donald Trump, who created both of those problems, or at least on the health care, made things much worse. The House approved on Thursday a 2,200-page package which stood around a foot tall on some legislators' desks, that less than 17 hours after negotiators released it publicly. So they put out a 2,200-page bill, gave uh, lawmakers 17 hours on which to vote. Remember when they used to complain about uh, Obamacare? I can't remember how many pages that was. Oh, it doesn't matter, because that was all that they were going to complain about, is all bills should never be this complicated. Should. Too many pages. If it's too many pages, it's no good. Uh, And, of course, in that case, it took some 10 months, uh, at least, before that bill was passed. So they had plenty of time to look at it, unlike this. But in any event, uh, passage in the Senate, AP reports, is all but assured. Uh, It is possible, they say, that some Republicans who have been critical of the bill's spending could delay its approval until after midnight on Friday. If that occurs, that prompts the year's third federal government shutdown, an event that was sure to be brief, they say, but would still embarrass a a Republican Party that controls the White House and Congress. Especially since if it is held up, it is likely to be held up by Republicans. Uh, Rand Paul is said to be unhappy about this bill. We'll see what, if anything, he decides to do. Congressional Republicans focused on the bill's defense increases. Democrats touted the spending on biomedical research, child care, infrastructure projects. Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi attributed part of the House's hasty work on this measure to Republican fears of being stuck in Washington on Saturday, <laughs> this Saturday. You know what happens this Saturday? Huge throngs of students are expected to demonstrate in support of gun safety reform. Pelosi said they just don't want to be around, the Republicans don't, when the young people come to town. So they are desperate to get out of here. This after, you know, I had heard uh, for the past 12 hours or so that, oh, uh, the conservatives, the so-called Freedom Caucus in the uh, in the House was unhappy with this bill. They might not support it. Well, you know what? We better get the hell out of town now before the kids get here because they're mad at us. So there was uh, also uh, missing was uh, renewal of renewal of federal subsidies to insurers curbed at uh, aimed at curbing the relentless growth of health care premiums on guns. Leaders did agree to tuck in bipartisan provisions to bolster school safety funds and improve compliance with the criminal background check system for firearm purchases. But the gaping background check loophole remains that allows purchasers uh, purchases of guns 
at gun shows and online with no background check at all. The bill states that the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, uh, can finally do research on gun violence again. Oh, that's a big change. That is a big change. We'll see if it survives the Senate. Yeah, we will. Uh, but I suspect it will. Otherwise, uh, they're not going to get in there and start cutting up a 2,200-page bill. Or will they? We'll see. Trump got $1.6 billion for improving barriers along the border. That is a fraction of the $25 billion that he had been seeking from U.S. taxpayers, not from Mexico, but from U.S. taxpayers to build his border wall. There was one win for immigrant advocates, at least that we've been able to find so far. This is, you know, 2,200 pages, so we'll, I expect we'll learn more about it in the days ahead after it has already been passed. But in one win for immigrant advocates, negotiators rejected Donald Trump's plan to hire hundreds of new Border Patrol and Immigration Enforcement agents. Always plenty of money for that, I guess. Both parties touted uh, more than $4.5 billion in total funding to fight the nation's opioid uh, addiction epidemic. That's a $3 billion increase. Funding was also included for election security ahead of the 2018 midterms. Now, that might sound good. I suspect uh, there's uh, people who are happy about that. I've heard from people on uh, on Twitter and via email uh, who are uh, just astounded that the uh, Senate is taking action on this. They held a hearing this week. I'll talk about that in a second. And that uh, there's actually money here to fund cybersecurity updates. State election officials are uh, very happy about this. They have been urging lawmakers to pass this funding bill that includes $380 million dollars in grants to protect digital voting systems from cyber attacks, according to The Hill. The National Association of Secretaries of State, or NAS, released a statement supporting the bill on Thursday morning, just as House lawmakers voted to advance the uh, omnibus spending package. The bill includes $380 million uh, to go to the U.S. Election Assistance Commission to dole out in grants Mind you, the Republicans have been trying to shut down the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission entirely for years now, even though they're the only body that sets any kind of standards for voting systems. And the standards they set are terrible, laughable, ridiculous and ignored by pretty much all states in uh, in the country because they are only voluntary guidelines. <clears throat> even the state of California a year or two ago uh, pulled out. We, we used to have to comply with those federal standards, but our Democratic Secretary of State, Alex uh, Padilla, Alex Padilla, whose birthday it is today. Happy birthday, Alex. No, I'm not going to send you any money. Uh, he supported uh, California no longer having to follow federal standards for voting systems. So this is a Republican and Democratic problem alike. I promise you. In any event, uh, $380 million to the EAC to uh, dole out in grants to, quote, enhance election technology and make election security improvements. No idea what those would be. The inclusion of the funds represents uh, an effort by Congress to bolster cybersecurity around uh, U.S. voting infrastructure in the wake of alleged Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. So if we just throw enough money at it, just as we did after the 2000 election in Florida, 
when Congress doled out some $4 billion in the Help America Vote Act uh, to purchase all of these very machines, these oft-failed, easily manipulated voting systems that we currently use, the last time, you know, from the last time Congress uh, doled out all of this money, if we just, you know, put another $380 million into it, we should be fine. Uh, state Indiana Secretary of uh, Indiana Secretary of State Connie Lawson, a uh, Republican, longtime Republican voter fraud, fraud fraudster and the current president of NAS, said, quote, there is no higher priority than protecting our election system. She said she looks forward to investing the funds in, quote, system upgrades, voting protections and voter education. She, of course, uh, has uh, led uh, voter uh, voting roll purges. She has supported roundups of uh, organizations who were doing voter registration before elections. So, uh, yeah, let's give her some more money. What could possibly go wrong? In addition to that uh, $380 million, uh, the funding also gives $307 million to the FBI to supposedly counter Russian cyber attacks. Whatever that means. Cyber war? On, uh, on Wednesday, and this uh, just makes me uh, crazy, as, <laughs> as you can attest uh, in uh, today's uh, working on today's show. Uh, yes, I can attest. It does I, make I, you crazy. I hate covering this because we have covered it for so many years, and yet we still have members of Congress who, who just say ridiculous things. Anyway, on Wednesday, uh, I'll give you some examples. I, I, I've been hearing from folks, as I said, on Twitter at the Brad Blog and via email at bradcast at bradblog.com uh, about this. So I guess I have to cover it. But does uh, you know what? Maybe I'll let you do the commenting on it because you've heard <laughs> my uh, rant so many times about this stuff. So feel free. Okay. Feel free to save me uh, the effort here. With uh, this is from ABC News about this. This hearing on Wednesday in the U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee. With the midterm elections around the corner, lawmakers Wednesday, oh, take your time, warned in stark terms of the dire need to harden the U.S. election system against attacks from foreign adversaries, saying that even after Russia's brazen attempt to influence the 2016 presidential election, the country is still woefully unprepared. Well, that is true. The chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Richard Burr of North Carolina, said if we start to fix this system tomorrow, we still might not be in time. Oh, do you think? Uh, he was, of course, talking about the midterm elections, which could affect the uh, balance of power in his U.S. Senate and in the U.S. House. Vice Chair Mark Warner, Virginia Democrat, uh, said uh, the threat is real. The need to act is urgent. He's right on both accounts. He said we need the administration to accelerate its efforts. Perhaps most of all, we need a president who will acknowledge the gravity of this threat. The fact that the president did not even bring up the topic of our election security when he called Vladimir Putin to congratulate him on his victory in a pre-cooked election is extremely Troubling. Well, that's not all that's troubling. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen uh, testified at this uh, hearing on Wednesday uh, and said that, well, now that the Russian threat is known, 
More bad actors may seek to get in on the act. Unfortunately, once these vulnerabilities have been made clear, uh, it's not just Russia that we have to worry about. Right? These are vulnerabilities and attack vectors that any adversary uh, could pursue. Thank you. Thank you, DHS Secretary Kirsten Nielsen. Yes, any adversary. And by the way, not just any adversary, anybody, anybody at all. These threats have been known, by the way, for years, for at least 15 years. At least that's how long I've been yelling and screaming and actually documenting these threats and these uh, very serious vulnerabilities. So to hear the uh, the head of DHS uh, say, well, now that uh, now that it's known that these systems <laughs> has vulnerability, that's just one of the things of many that drive me absolutely goddamn nuts. Yeah, because you've been trying to tell people for years now that the biggest, the biggest threat is actually election insiders, the people who have direct access to all of it. Correct. It's not just Russia. Who's definitely, you know, it's, sure, other countries definitely are going to try because that's what countries do. Well, it doesn't take a nation state actor. And that's right. one of the things that makes me crazy about this whole, you know, Russia thing. You know, this notion that, well, if we can just protect ourselves from Russia, if the Donald Trump will just give Putin a good talking to, that would stop all the threats to our election. In fact, it wouldn't stop any of the threats to our election. And as you point out, Desi Doyen, election insiders, yes, like Connie Lawson, the secretary of state of Indiana and head of the National Association of so Secretaries of State, she has direct access to all of these systems, and in about 30 seconds, she can change the results to be anything that she wishes them to be. And there is almost a 0% chance that anybody will, uh, will notice, will find out. <laughs> Let me proceed here. Nielsen uh, also noted that vulnerabilities exist throughout the entire election system, from the registration of voters through the validation of votes... And the certification of uh, voting when all is said and done, she is right on that score as well. And yet, as the head of the DHS, Kirsten Nielsen has apparently, well, I don't know. I don't know if she has done anything to find out if 2016's presidential election was actually manipulated in any way. Last time we heard from the DHS about this. Uh, this was, uh, got to keep playing this, I guess, Des, uh, DHS Assistant Secretary Jeanette Manfra during a Senate Intelligence Committee hearing last summer when she admitted to Senator Ron Wyden that the DHS hadn't actually bothered to check any of the machines or count any of the ballots to find out if the election results from 2016 were correct. Has the department conducted any kind of post-election forensics on the voting machines that were used in 2016? We have not, our department has not conducted forensics on specific voting machines. No, we haven't. We haven't looked at any machines. And when Jill Stein tried to actually count the paper ballots, not paper trails, not computer printed uh, voter verified paper audit trails, VV actual hand marked paper ballots. When Jill Stein, the Green Party presidential candidate, tried to do that in uh, three states after the election, two of which have uh, almost entirely hand-marked paper ballots. Jill Stein was stopped from doing so. 
Republicans went to court to block her from uh, actually hand counting those paper ballots. Democrats didn't help either, by the way, in any of this. So, you know, when again, when we talk about cybersecurity, beefing up cybersecurity, adding more money for uh, cybersecurity, we we have uh, evidence of how people voted already in most of the states. And yet we don't bother to actually check that evidence, which is ironic because all this money that they're talking about appropriating to harden the systems, to make the systems more secure, are not actually going to go to counting the ballots. No, they're going to... To looking you know, at the ballots, to making sure, hey, let's just count the ballots. Cybersecurity, uh, they'll come up with all sorts of you know schemes to make it harder for the public, not easier for the public to oversee the election results. Security by obscurity, as some people call it. Uh, make it even harder for anyone to notice what the results actually are, to be able to track those results, to make sure they're, they are right. Nielsen said uh, that vigilance is needed. Well, you know, I, I'm not sure what she defines as vigilance, but public oversight is the only chance uh, we have to protect our elections against adversaries, friends, outsiders, insiders alike. If the public is not allowed to oversee the casting and in particular the counting of hand-marked paper ballots, well, good luck preventing an attack and good luck even noticing it or doing anything about it once it has happened. Because we don't. We have questions about what happened in 2016 and yet we don't do a goddamn thing about it. We pretend that we'll do something about future elections if we only throw more money at the problem. Um, you know, even uh, Ron Wyden in this hearing on Wednesday uh, said something about, uh, you know, paperless. We're worried about the paperless voting machines that something like 43 percent of Americans still vote on these paperless voting machines. Well, the uh, the ones that do have paper that print out a computer marked paper trail, those are also not verifiable. But the fact that he was focusing on those and not understanding at all that it is computers that tally all of our votes, pretty much, except for in a few excellent uh, towns in New Hampshire and a few other states around the country. Other than that, it is computers that count these results, and nobody bothers to check to make sure if the computers have uh, recorded them accurately. Senator Angus King, independent from Maine, urged Nielsen to go back with your hair on fire (laughs) and consider creating a red team in DHS, a group of really serious hackers and hack some of these states. He said, I don't think they'll believe it until you show them. He says this country has to wake up. And Angus King on that point is absolutely right. But they haven't woken up in all of these years, even after Donald Trump. And even now, these same senators don't seem to understand what is needed to at least try to protect our elections. And that is public oversight. Uh, Secretary uh, Nielsen said she would consider King's suggestion of that red team exercise. Let's see. uh, Republican Senator Susan Collins of Maine said the warnings that our elections are vulnerable and that people associated with foreign governments are trying to manipulate our elections uh, as offered by intelligence officials before the election, which they did, by the way. 
uh, DHS was trying to warn before the 2016 election about this. She said that uh, when they gave those warnings, they were too technical in nature and they did not reach the right people. A visibly frustrated Senator Dianne Feinstein said the Obama administration failed to sufficiently warn the public that the American voting system was being targeted. She said she and a small handful of congressional leaders had been warned of the specifics in a classified setting, but they were sworn to secrecy. Well, maybe so, but... Uh, but, they I, don't, yeah, but there's you, more <laughs> to this story. There's a lot more to this story. In fact, it wasn't just DHS. It was also other senior uh, administration intelligence officials. And there was a story that came out of that that was later confirmed by former CIA, direct, CIA director John Brennan, where he said, we tried to inform the leaders in Congress that this was happening, that this was a problem, and we had hoped we could come out with a unified front to inform the public of what was going on. And he said, quote, certain actors did not want to do that. They considered that it would be interference. That would be uh, Mitch McConnell. Yes, the Republicans we, were said to not want that information to, to get out. Yeah, they blocked it. McConnell blocked it. For whatever reason, you decide. But, uh, you know, so now uh, Nielsen said that uh, the DHS uh, will uh, be issuing security clearances to state elections officials, that she will be issuing uh, clearances to three election officials per state, but that uh, to date only uh, 20 of 150 such officials have gotten that clearance. She said, if we have intelligence, however, we will read out uh, appropriate state officials that day. We will not wait for clearances. But why does anybody need clearance at all to know that all of these systems are vulnerable since nobody bothers to check after an election to make sure that the results were not manipulated? And that includes, yes, insiders, those 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 same three election officials in each state that will get some sort of super secret security clearance. Uh, and not just the election officials, by the way, the, those three in each state, but hundreds of thousands of election officials who have direct access to these same systems. And you can add to that the private contractors who are hired to program and service those systems. They have the same access as well. Several senators then went on to push for uh, for all states to have what they kept describing as backup, backup paper ballots. They were actually they call them backup paper trails. Which drives me crazy. Senator Mark Warner, Democrat, said someone needs to highlight those states and localities who choose who choose not to move to a paper trail. I believe the public has a right to know if their state or communities are basically ignoring the problem. We don't need paper trails. We need paper ballots, hand marked paper ballots. And yes, they have to be counted by actual human beings. The day before they uh, held this hearing on Wednesday, they had a um, uh, uh, the, the Senate Intelligence Committee held a, a press conference to preview their elections cybersecurity recommendations, uh, some of which I've mentioned. But, you know, it's basically putting uh, money into new cybersecurity and to new computer voting systems. Because, you know, if you upgrade the computer voting systems, no one will figure out how to hack the new ones. <sighs> a couple of quick points before we get to a break here. Senator, Senator Richard Burr, the chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee at this uh, press conference previewing these election cybersecurity recommendations. Well, let's go, go ahead. Here, here's, here's one of the things that, that he said. 
Let me say this with a great deal of confidence. It is clear the Russian government was looking for the vulnerabilities in our election system, highlighted and, and highlighted some of the key gaps. There's no evidence that any vote was changed. No evidence because the evidence that exists or that may exist, they never bothered to look at. You know, every time they say no evidence, and that was the, the, the director of the CIA, Mike Pompeo, actually came out and said they didn't manipulate any votes. No votes were changed. No, we don't know that. We just know there's no evidence because we didn't bother to actually look at the evidence. Go ahead, Richard Burr. We need to take a hard look at the equipment that actually records and reports votes. Oh, there's an idea. Yes, we actually need to take a hard look at that, uh, th at that equipment. Thank you. But then he went on to say, we need to, uh, we all agree that all votes should have an audible paper trail. Oh, and um, in 2016, uh. five states used only electronic machines with no paper trails. Nine used at least some of these machines. Audible, an audible paper trail. That's what he said. Oh, dear. Paper trail wasn't bad enough. He had to say audible. So what he was trying to say was auditable, I presume. But, uh, well, you know what? I blame myself. I blame myself because in 15 years of killing myself, trying to get the word out, trying to explain, trying to make this simple, uh, trying to avoid the problems that the senators uh, mentioned. Oh, it was too complicated before the 2016 election. Here, let me make it simple for you. Every voter needs a paper ballot that is hand-marked by that voter, and that paper ballot needs to be hand-counted by actual human beings in public at the precinct with all parties watching, video cameras watching, and the results posted right then and there at the precinct before ballots are moved anywhere. Is that simple enough? Now, maybe you can come up with all kinds of other cybersecurity tricks that I'm unaware of and that computer scientists, uh, the scores of them who I've talked to over all of these years that they have yet to come up with. Maybe you've got some other scheme, some other plan, but I haven't found one. Handmarked paper ballots, hand counted by human beings. Simple enough? I promise you, whatever this $300, $400 million you're going to put into cybersecurity, whether it stops a cybersecurity attack or not doesn't matter. The fact is we, the people, have to know that our results are accurate. Simply telling us that uh, there's nothing wrong here is not going to restore confidence in American democracy. Quick break, and we are back with more on American democracy right after this. You won't believe what they're doing in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Brandcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Don't do that. Can't 
you. Can't you read the signs? Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. There are signs everywhere that things are not going to go well for Republicans this November. Uh, one more point before I get to th- those, though. I want There was one more point that I want to uh, hit from... Um, there was one point, sort of, that I kind of agreed with one of the senators, I think. Was this in the press conference uh, yes. before the hearing? Yes, this, this was, was uh, Senator James Lankford from uh, Republican from Oklahoma. Yeah. It's not our desire to be able to fully fund the elections within individual states. That is a state responsibility. Quite frankly, it's the people of those states going to their state leaders and saying, we want our election to be secure and to be able to take care of it in their own state. That'll be the primary piece. So the point that I wanted to make there was he had been asked about uh, the, the funding that is going into this omnibus bill, whatever it is, 300, 400 million. No, that's not going to fund all of the state elections. It's to be used for so theoretically improving cybersecurity. But his point that people need to go to their states, not for funding per se, but for um, letting their state election officials, their state officials, their elected officials know that they want a system that is actually overseeable by the public. I can yell and scream all I want here. And you do. And I do. Uh, But the, you know, the Senate apparently is not going to get it. The House is not going to get it. It is going to take people on the ground making clear what it is that we want. Overseeable elections overseeable by the public, not some super secret cybersecurity force. All right. Uh, Anyway, the signs for November. Here's one. Uh, A judge ruled today that Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker must promptly hold special elections for two vacant seats in the state legislature. Elections that he had refused to call because he was afraid his party would lose. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when he uh, was refusing to uh, announce a special election. According to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Dane County Circuit uh, Judge uh, Jossan Reynolds ruled that the state law requires Walker to hold the elections in order to give residents of the two districts representation in the state legislature. What a mo- novel concept. Uh, right. The state, these seats have been vacant since December when Walker had appointed these two state reps to serve in his administration, and then he refused to call elections. The judge here, Judge Reynolds, who was appointed by Walker to the court <laughs> in 2014, said, uh, quote, to state the obvious, if the plaintiffs have a right to vote for their representatives, they must have an election to do so. Walker had said he didn't need to fill the seats because the legislative session wasn't going to be doing much. It's going to be ending soon, so no real rush. One of the uh, voters who was a a plaintiff here testified in court who said, we have nobody representing the interests of our Senate district right now, and that upsets me. She said, we're entitled to representation. The judge said that the judge agreed and said that Walker must issue an order scheduling the elections within the next week. Mm. So he must announce elections. Now, he did not want to do this uh, because the the question came up after a recent special election there where uh, in a district that had been previously held by Republicans for the state Senate, 
This was back in January when they won this uh, special election in this Wisconsin district. The Democrats did in a district that had been held by Republicans since 2000 and that Donald Trump had won in 2016 by 10 points. After the election, Walker, who, by the way, is up for re-election himself this November, he unleashed a Twitter tirade after that election that night when uh, the Republicans lost this state Senate seat about how the election was all caps wake up call wake up. And he did. He, this was a, a, a Twitter rampage. He went on about wake up call, wake up call. His part of waking up, apparently, uh, is to keep these elections from happening at all. That's what he's doing, or at least trying to, to block the elections from even happening. Thankfully, we still have a judicial system that might sometimes eventually work and block that sort of nonsense. At least they did in Wisconsin. We'll see if he decides to appeal that, but that would be uh, even more shocking. But you want to be... uh, well, I'm glad that you at least retain the ability uh, to still be shocked. Yeah, well, yeah, there's that. And I am shocked by this next story. Well, let me start it here because this has to do with what Republicans are willing to do when they get bad decisions, decisions they don't like from the judiciary. Let me start here, though. Uh, Republican Rick Saccone conceded defeat on Wednesday night to Democrat Connor Lamb. This was this closely watched special election in Pennsylvania more than uh, a week ago. He finally conceded at the end of uh, this remarkable race that has, according to AP, shaken GOP confidence ahead of the November midterm elections. Lamb claimed the seat by about 750 votes in what had been a Republican-held district for a very long time, a district that Donald Trump won by almost 20 points just over a year ago in 2016. Uh, but a very Republican district, and this Democrat won, ended up winning by some 750 votes. Lamb benefited from what Pittsburgh-area Democrats called the party's most energized electorate they had ever seen, driven by an anti-Trump fervor. Saccone adhered to Republican orthodoxy in his uh, run. He openly embraced Donald Trump, who tweeted on his behalf several times, uh, including uh, they held a, a raucous rally together on the Saturday before voters cast their ballots. But even uh, getting close to the president, as Donald Trump has said, that's how to win elections. Be like me. Even that did not work. I should say especially that did not work uh, here in this uh, this district that should have been another easy U.S. House seat. But now it has gone to Connor Lamb and the Republican has agreed as much. Uh, shocking that he didn't challenge and claim pretend voter fraud or something like that. So if uh, embracing Trump didn't work, uh, well, what will work for them in 2018? Money? Well, in this case, outside Republican groups had outspent uh, the Democrat. They had spent more than $10 million for this U.S. House seat. That was about seven times as much as the outside groups did for the Democrat Lamb. And uh, much of that uh, ad money went to attacking Lamb as a stooge for national Democrats, particularly House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi. That did not work either. The good news, sort of, for Republicans, this congressional uh, district in Pennsylvania, 
Uh, it's currently the 18th district. It won't exist anymore as of November. Because in November, new maps imposed by the state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania after uh, the ones that Republicans drew in 2011 were found to be unlawfully partisan gerrymanders, um, that uh, those maps were thrown out. This this new map from the state Supreme Court is in place. The previous map had netted the Republicans some 13 Congress members to Democrats, five Congress members over the last three elections in a row. That even though the state is uh, a swing state, pretty much a 50 50 swing state where Democrats, in fact, have uh, outpaced Republicans when it comes to voter registration by about a million votes. And yet the Republicans were able to hold on 13 to five in the U.S. House um, based on their gerrymander. So even with the new maps that uh, the the state Supreme Court has now uh, put in place, even with that, Republicans still have a 10 to 8 advantage, at least when it comes to things like voter registration. But that was not good enough for the GOP. State Republicans uh, appealed that map to a federal court, to the Supreme Court twice, and in both cases overrode um, they were rejected. blocked, rejected, right? They, they were, were outright rejected by the U.S. Supreme Court. By the Court. U.S. Supreme Court because uh, Republicans wanted them to override the state Supreme Court. But, uh, you know, rather than run on stuff that voters might actually want, Republicans, uh, well, now they have another idea. One day after the federal courts, uh, the appeals court panel and the Supreme Court, one day after they declined to block the new congressional maps from taking effect, the Republican state representative, uh, uh, the Republican uh, state representatives introduced resolutions to impeach the four Democrats on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court who ruled to impose the map. Uh, Rep. Chris Dush of Jefferson County introduced the measures against justices, state justices, Christine Donahue, Kevin Dougherty, Deborah Todd and De uh, David Wecht. The justices, along with uh, fellow Democrat Max Baer, voted to strike down the old map. Um, so they're now trying to impeach four out of the seven justices on the state Supreme Court. That's their response. Not come up with, you know, stuff the voters like, but let's get rid of the justices who did this. So to do that now, the uh, first uh, the, the full house in Pennsylvania would have to find the justices had committed impeachable offenses and then they would face a trial before the state Senate. Well, impeachment can happen with a simple majority in the uh, Pennsylvania House where Republicans far outnumber Democrats because those districts as well have been gerrymandered. Uh, so that should be easy enough if the Republicans want to play along. Uh, and then in the state Senate, they have to come up with two thirds in order to convict these four justices. And yes, they have two thirds. The Republicans hold 34 seats to Democrats, 16 in the Senate chamber as well. So uh, 12 Pennsylvania GOP lawmakers have now signed on to this. The uh, governor of Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf, a Democrat, has blasted this as unprecedented and undemocratic, an attempt to retaliate against the judicial branch. He says this is nonsense and a waste of precious time and resources, but it could move forward. 
And by the way, if it does, and if they proceed with this, and if they succeed with this, according to Stephen Wolf at Daily Coast, this supremely destructive effort, as he says, Republicans would still not gain control over the court until or unless Democratic Governor Tom Wolf loses reelection this November, which appears unlikely as of now, Wolf says. But because uh, Wolf, uh, Tom Wolf, the governor, uh, could only appoint replacement justices with Senate approval, that means the Republicans, the GOP, could cripple the court for years to come. So the seven-member Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which currently has a five-to-two Democratic advantage, could become a three-member Supreme Court for the next year with a two-to-one Republican advantage if the state GOP pulls off this judicial coup, this purge, this putsch that they're trying to do. And why wouldn't they? Much easier to do that than, you know, support stuff that voters actually favor as opposed to uh, the things that are favored by your corporate funders. Quick break, and we are back with Desi Doyne and the Green News Report and some breaking news. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Five major corporations now control more than 80% of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Yes, stop the world, please. Uh, Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We uh, should have seen this coming. We did see this coming. We talked about it with uh, Marcy Wheeler a week or two ago. Uh, Let's see if we can get her booked for our next broadcast at this point, because it looks like Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster uh, has now been pushed out as Donald Trump's national security advisor. He will resign and... The worst news, he will be replaced by John Bolton, the hardline right wing former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations under George W. Bush. Frankly, uh, he's kind of a psychotic and dangerous right winger. Uh, He's the guy with the white mustache, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, That was um, what kept Donald Trump reportedly from uh, appointing him in the first place. He he didn't like his mustache. But not anymore. Buckle up, not kids. Not anymore. Buckle up, kids. Buckle up, North Korea. Buckle up, Iran. This is only getting worse. Um, okay, more on that on tomorrow's show because we have to get to our latest Green News report. If you had a message for Washington right now, what would it be? Um, We need help. Please. Puerto Rico still in the grip of crisis six months after Hurricane Maria. 
while new documents reveal Trump's FEMA failed to respond to calls for assistance. We see it in, in bottle after bottle, and we see it in brand after brand. Your bottled water is likely contaminated with microscopic plastic, plus... The world's last male northern white rhino has died. Another charismatic species slips into extinction because of humans. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Ivanka has been getting some heat for tweeting this picture of herself dressed like science Barbie. <laughs> Just like a real Barbie, she has no scientific credentials and the space where her heart should be is a hollow plastic shell. Oh, harsh. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I've got something that uh, will suffice today for some good news. And we could use it. The $1.3 trillion government-wide spending bill released late on Wednesday rejects Donald Trump's proposal to slash the EPA budget by 31%. Senior lawmakers have given the agency $8.1 billion for fiscal year 2018. That keeps the spending levels the same as it was in 2017. So this looks like good news. In addition to that $8.1 billion for the EPA in the main section of the bill, they also give $763 million in another part of the bill for uh, various other EPA programs related to water infrastructure, cleaning up polluted Superfund sites, and so forth. Well, that is some good news. It's nice that the EPA's budget will get a temporary reprieve. It is. So uh, now that I've found good news, how are you going to ruin it all for us today? Well... Tuesday marked six months since Hurricane Maria made landfall in Puerto Rico as a Category 4 storm. It caused catastrophic damage and triggered the longest blackout in United States history. Yes, there is progress in the island's recovery, but blackouts are frequent and more than 100,000 residents are still without power in rural areas. Maria caused roughly $100 billion in damage to Puerto Rico, but Congress so far has approved only $23 billion in disaster assistance and AP reports only a fraction of that has been spent in Puerto Rico. NPR reports that FEMA has denied 60% of applications to repair homes because many residents don't have documentation to prove they own them. Mm. And a new AP report now underscores the federal government's lack of preparation and its botched response. Emails and text messages released by Democratic Representative Elijah Cummings of Maryland indicate that in the week immediately after the hurricane, FEMA officials simply did not respond to desperate requests for fuel supplies from grocery stores and even Walmart, leading to the spoilage of tons of food amid a hunger crisis. Wasn't that right around the same time that Donald Trump was giving himself an A-plus for his response with FEMA to the crisis? Yes, it is. Imagine that. Meanwhile, a new study finds that rivers are a significant source of plastic pollution in the ocean. Researchers have found that large storms that flood rivers end up washing tons of plastic litter out to sea. One single storm in northwestern England back in 2015 flushed nearly a metric ton of microplastic pollution into the ocean. And plastic in the rivers isn't just polluting the ocean. It's also in your bottled water. A new study finds that plastic 
state bottled water is likely contaminated with microplastic. Researchers at the State University of New York tested more than 250 bottles across 11 brands and found that 93% of those bottled water samples contained tiny microscopic pieces of plastic. In an interview with the BBC, Lead researcher Sherry Mason said much more study needs to be done on the health impacts of ingesting plastic. These are the particles that can make their way across the gastrointestinal tract. We see it in in bottle after bottle, and we see it in brand after brand. The World Health Organization has announced it will launch a study on the effect of microplastics on public health, and some countries have begun phasing out single-use plastic to reduce plastic pollution. Finally, sad news in Kenya, where the world's last male northern white rhino has died. It marks the effective extinction of the subspecies of the iconic animals. All rhino species are being driven to extinction by humans through habitat loss and poaching. The extinction news comes just days after the Trump administration reversed a ban on importation of endangered animal body parts. Mm. And just days after Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke announced a new taxpayer-funded commission to promote big game hunting stuffed with big game trophy hunters. Yep, I knew you would ruin my good news. Sorry. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Thank you very much, Desi Doyan. Uh, sad. Yes. Very sad. Um, but we but have we to go, keep moving on. Yes, we do. We go from sad to uh, worried about uh, the uh, breaking news that we will cover much more on our next thrilling broadcast that H.R. McMaster has been pushed out as the national security advisor and he has been replaced by crazy right winger John Bolton. All right. Uh, that's next time, I guess. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's always greatly appreciated. Uh, if you uh, missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime at bradblog.com for free. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. And my thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to become a sustaining monthly subscriber of any amount you like to the Bradcast to help us stay on the air on your public airwaves as long as possible. Wow. Okay, that's it. Uh, Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.